Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's the losing news. It's the losing news. Well, I don't know if you've been hearing it on your radios this Christmas season, this holiday season, Thanksgiving. You know, I'm going to say Thanksgiving season and Christmas season. It is Christmas coming up now. Hope you had a beautiful uh, Thanksgiving and a Thanksgiving week. And uh, today for the Sunday pod is the first Sunday in Advent. And uh, my next guest, Wayne Vanderwall. Hey, Wayne. Welcome inside, by the way. Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. So we're airing this on Sunday, and this is uh, the first Sunday in Advent, which is perfect timing for the background of your book, The Gospel of St. Nicholas. You know, St. Nick, as he's lovingly called. There's a religious meaning behind him, is there not? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, just by his name, he is a saint, so that means he was uh, a big part of the church history and uh, has a real inspiring story behind him. A little background on Wayne. He is a uh, he does jail ministry. You can get into that as well, because I'm sure in the jails this time of year is very depressing, and, and you're kind of called on to uplift the spirits, are you not? Yeah, and uh, we actually go in Sunday evenings, uh, which happen to be you know, a lot of the holidays, and, and it's... Uh, it's kind of sad. We're uh, like I was in there at Easter, and you know a lot of the guys didn't even know it was Easter that day, and uh, so we were thankful. I was thankful to be able to to be there and minister to them on special days like that. Now, do you think at one point they did know and did celebrate Easter and Christmas, but then it just fell apart for them? Well, yeah, I think uh, when when they're out, uh, they do celebrate, but being in there. Uh, they don't really celebrate the holidays. They don't get special food. Uh, it, it's jail ministry. And so, uh, you know, they're on a whole nother calendar, kind of uh, segregated from the world. So, uh, yeah, they, they're uplifted when I'm like, happy Easter. And they're like, oh, we didn't know it was Easter. And then we do an Easter message. And, and then they, they leave uh, happy, you know, uh, lifted, spiritually touched, left and and so just thankful for that opportunity to be part of that ministry and and where is this ministry just as a, or, or are you not allowed to say it's in reno nevada and of course nevada is a tough town to be religious in with all the gambling going on there so i applaud you for the efforts out there i mean i don't know if that's an accurate statement but i feel like with all the gambling casinos it's very not christian or not spiritual at all yeah, Nevada statistically is uh, one of the top unchurched 
states in in the U.S. And so, yeah, we definitely have our challenges. But the exciting thing is God is moving there, and there's a lot of uh, growing churches, and uh, uh, God's alive. So, so it's really neat to see what He is doing uh, in a tough area. And and clearly, Wayne Wayne der, uh, Van der Waal, uh, you have been so moved by the story of Saint Nicholas. How did that come to be? Yeah, so back in 2008, I uh, went through a divorce, and so tough times, uh, worst year of my life. The holidays rolled around. I was a single divorced dad for uh, the first time, and, uh, you know, money was tight. And at that point, I was pretty disillusioned with the whole materialism of Christmas uh, in general. And so the holidays rolled around. It was me and my two kids. And I wanted to make the season more meaningful for them, remind them that uh, it's more than just getting gifts, uh, that Jesus is the reason for the season. And uh, we're going to focus on that first. And so I started researching more about Christmas, about Santa Claus. And I knew there was a connection between Santa Claus and St. Nicholas, but I didn't know much more than that. Uh, you know, we all heard the poem. It's called Twas the Night Before Christmas Now, but the original name was you visit from St. Nicholas, and so we're familiar with that poem. So I started doing more research about St. Nick and and discovered he had an amazing story, a, a uh, inspirational story um, that really changed that first Christmas uh, for us in a lot of ways and uh, really just touched touched my heart in many ways. So as I learned about him, uh, I'm a visual person, so a movie formed in my head about his life, and uh, I, I can't go out and just make a movie, so I just started putting my thoughts on paper, the, the scenes from the movie on paper, uh, to give to my kids someday, wow. as, I, as I shared with them about the story, and and it turned into a book, and I shared some other, the book or the story with other people, and they're like, you know, wow, I want to read it, and so... And now today I have a book. <laughs> well, and congratulations on the book. Now, I do know that traditionally it is it is believed that St. Nicholas was a gift giver. That's how he became Santa Claus. But but he did more than just that, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, let me give you some background real quick. So he was actually born uh, around 270 A.D., uh, so a couple hundred years after Jesus. And uh, he was born to some wealthy parent, uh, wealthy parents who were Christians in a country called Lycia, which today is the country of Turkey. And uh, that was a Greek society at that point, and they were ruled by the Roman Empire. So here they are Christians in a Greek society ruled by Roman Empire, and they were wealthy. So that was just, uh, as far as I'm concerned, unheard of. Uh, back then, uh, and they were, raised him in the Christian faith, raised Nicholas in the Christian faith, and he had an uncle also who was a bishop in the church at that time named Nicholas. That's who he was named after. And uh, his parents tragically died when he was younger, and so he inherited their whole fortune, and he felt called by God to take a vow of poverty, give it all away, and so he gave it to the, the poor, the sick, and the suffering, and that started the legend of Santa Claus uh, as far as the generosity and giving, uh, you know, the world world around. Uh, he went on to become a priest and, and then later a bishop in the church 
Uh, so, you know, much more than just giving of, of money and things, uh, he gave his time. He gave his life. He devoted his life to God and, and spreading the good news, uh, the gospel of, of Jesus all around the world. He was uh, he was a bishop of Myra. He grew up in Petara, which is a port city on the Mediterranean, and then he was a bishop of Myra, which was a port city on the Mediterranean. So he had access to people coming and going from all over the world. Now, uh, I think he became so influential. Before we get to how he became, you know, how his name turned into Santa Claus, Uh you, you would say that he's pretty, he would be pretty ticked at the way Santa Claus has become commercialized and has become what he is, which isn't really a spiritual figure. I mean, it seems like they've really monetized on him and not spiritually enriched us with Santa Claus. Like that's a commercial name, not a spiritual name now. Yeah, it transformed uh, over the centuries, over really the last couple centuries, uh, when it morphed into, his name morphed into Santa Claus, and it has become uh, commercialized for sure. And does that bother you? Does that Do you feel like the meaning of him has been taken away completely by society? Well, yeah, it's ironic that here, uh, you know, learning his story and who he really was, you know, that he really forsook all material goods and, and money uh, to devote his life completely to God. And here uh, he's, uh, or at least his uh, image is the center of materialism as far as uh, the Christmas season goes. Uh, so yeah, it's it's definitely disturbing, and and so that's one reason why I set out to uh, make the holiday meaningful. And I'm so thankful to God that He put this book on my heart to uh, put out and and to kind of correct it and make it kind of change it back from uh, Christmas being a holiday back to a holy day. That's right. And to remember what what it's all about. And now so, I didn't know. Yeah, that... so for sure. I didn't know this, and we're talking about Wayne Vanderwall. He is the author of The Gospel of Santa Claus, inspired by the true story of St. Nicholas. I didn't know this until right now. The man we all admire, Santa Claus, St. Nick, was in jail. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So uh, he went on to become a priest and bishop, and at the time, during his time, uh, Emperor Diocletian was the Roman emperor. And uh, as he became more powerful, as he uh, reignited the Roman Empire, it was kind of on a downturn when Nicholas was born. But uh, when Diocletian came to power, he turned it around and made it a world power again. Uh, As he became more powerful, uh, of course, he hated Christians. And so he became bolder and bolder and started uh, persecuting the Christians and, and even created edicts against the Christians. And he proclaimed himself as a god. So not only did they have the Greek gods and Roman gods to deal with in that culture, but then here the emperor is proclaiming himself a god, and he expected everyone to kneel and bow and worship him, and the Christians you know, with, uh, you know, wouldn't do that. They, they had their one god, and they're not going to bow to anybody else. And uh, Nicholas being uh, a Christian, a priest and bishop, uh, he wasn't going to bow, and so he was persecuted, and they burnt down churches and and threw tortured Christians and, and imprisoned many Christians, including 
uh, Nicholas. So, yep, St. Nick has done time in the big house. But he was tortured in that time, is that right? Uh, there's no real detail, just going by uh, what happened to the documented cases that we know of. Uh, you know, we can feel fairly certain that there was some sort of abuse, torture uh, that happened. Uh, no specific details on what or how, but it's most likely that he was. I don't, I don't think anyone really escaped that back at that time. Well, and, and to current events, I, I don't know how political you want to get or if you want to at all, but I, I have to ask, <laughs> do you feel like all the commuting of sentences that go on, and you've seen it firsthand, do you feel like a lot of them are justified when they're commuted? Like here in New York, they're about to release uh, about 900 or more jail, you know, jailed people. Is that the right move? Is that is that a Christian move, or do you feel like that still puts us in risk at society, uh, being that you have been inside as a minister? Well, that's a great question, and, and uh, I'm not familiar with the details as far as what's happening in New York. Uh, it's a, a fine line, I think, as far as Christians, uh, uh, grace and love and mercy are, are definitely warranted. Uh, but at the same time, I think we were given uh, a brain to use and to use it wisely and to, uh, you know. It really should be uh, a case-by-case case basis. the situation. Yeah, that's, that's my sense. I, I, again, I'm not familiar with that situation, but, but I would imagine you'd want to vet uh, each person and, you know, what what they've done and, and what their uh the, the possibility of them doing something, especially violent criminals. Uh, yeah, we definitely, I would definitely want them to, instead of just doing a big old blanket pardon, uh, definitely take it case by case for sure. Now, have you worked with those who have really done crimes like that that are unimaginable, or have you worked on maybe low-level offense in the jail? I'm I'm very curious now, actually, as we're talking here. Yeah, we have access to, to all uh, inmates, regardless of what. So I've had murderers sitting in with us. And we, we have, uh, if it's by myself, uh, I'll have 10 to 20 uh, inmates with me. It used to be 20, but they just changed the rule. If I'm by myself, I can only have 10. If, we're, if there's two of us, we can have 20. But it used to be me and 20. And uh, so I have had murderers in with me. And I, I do it by myself. There's a camera uh, watching us. And, uh, you know, the people, it's volunteer if they want to come down to church or not. So I find that the majority of people, uh, inmates who do come to us, uh, regardless of what their crime was, they're, they're at one of the lowest points in their life, if not the lowest. And so they're open. They're hungry. uh for for love, they're hungry for grace and mercy, uh, and they're just they're searching. And a lot of them do have a faith background. They were raised in it, and straight away, the prodigal sons or daughters, and uh, they know what they've done. And and it's a chance. A lot of them are in there. They have a lot of time to think and uh, also read. And they're allowed to have Bibles in there, and and so yeah, we do see signs of redemption and, and, and even uh, well, that's, uh, change as far as coming to know the Lord, for that sure. Is, that is beautiful. And, and so now you've got this book to hand them, and I'm sure you will 
show them what you've written on St. Nick, will you, or, or, or will you not do that? Uh, that's a good question. I, uh, I've mentioned that, you know, we just have an hour with them on Sunday evening. So, uh, I fill that time with trying to, uh, you know, get my, whatever message that night is across. So we don't talk too much about personal cause, uh, we have to be real careful about that. Um, but that is something that, since you mentioned it, that I could get with the chaplains and discuss with them if that's even a possibility to distribute to them, especially this holiday season uh, or around the holidays. And and one of the other topics that you like to talk about is is to get us personal peace during the holidays. I mean, that's for those who are freed and those who are in jail. We all need personal peace, especially around this time. How do you convey that message to get peace? I have always thought that this year, this time of year is kind of depressing um, amidst the bright lights and the holidays and the Christmas and the excitement. There is a dark side to this season, and I'm feeling that you can give us some ways to bring us peace when we are feeling down. <laughs> yeah, first first and foremost, uh, it, it uh, can be dark times, and it is dark times for many people, but you know, we're just remembering Jesus is the light and fo- turning our focus uh, from our sin, turn our focus from the negative and to uh, the light of the world and to, to God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and, and focusing on that, the, the true reason for the season and the plan of redemption, that remembering that Jesus came on a rescue mission to rescue us from uh, a terminal uh, illness, a deadly disease called sin that we're infected with. And that, uh, that birth of uh, that little baby was the wheels of God's re- plan of redemption and reconciliation back to him, uh, set in motion. And Jesus's birth, life, death, and resurrection are what we need to embrace. And, uh, so that's first and foremost, that's what I tried to do with my kids at first, uh, Christmas was uh, just remember that Jesus, uh, it's all about celebrating Jesus's birth first Amen. and foremost, and then all the other things uh, are, are icing on the cake. And uh, and so you tell your kids, and you cover this in the book, I'm guessing, you tell your kids there is Santa, and you have a we're, you're asking this question, when do we say there is? Because I always want to make the, I want there to believe that, that belief that he is alive, he being Santa Claus for the kids. I think that would be a great little way to get them to believe in God because there is a godly way behind Santa Claus himself. But you say, what's your thought on telling them the truth, quote unquote, the truth and whatnot about Santa Claus? What are your thoughts on that? Well, my, my thought is, Changing the language, that's one of my, my prayers that this book will do from uh, just simply changing Santa Claus to St. Nicholas as much as you can as a parent. Uh, when I wrote this book or when my kids were, uh, when we went through the divorce in that tough time, uh, they were 8 and 11. So they had just passed out of the believing in Santa Claus phase. Uh, and, but had... I know if they were still believing at that point, what I would do is just simply start changing the language. If we, because there's just a different tone when you say Santa Claus versus St. Nicholas, and knowing St. Nicholas was a real person, 
with a real life and he experienced uh, death and loss and grief and then also persecution and hate, but he overcame it with love and joy and peace and patience, the fruits of the Holy Spirit and, and God and depending on God. It just changes uh, the conversation. It changes the view. And uh, so just that's just a simple tip right there. And, you know, hopefully uh, as people read the book, uh, it, my, my hope and prayer is that people read the book together as families and it, it will help facilitate discussions about really, uh, meaningful topics as far as uh, belief in God or unbelief, uh, forgiveness versus resentment, uh, love and joy versus hate and uh, bitterness. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that, that's one, one thought I have as far as just changing the language and really learning about who St. Nicholas was because you can't help but be inspired and encouraged, you know, uh, as a Christian. Uh, really just his life just, his life points to God and learning about his life, you can't help but, uh, think and reflect more about God and, and the reason for the season and the purpose. Well, you you have a faith-based approach to this. Did you always have that? Were you brought up that way? Did the divorce shake your spiritual and and faith-based side, and, and how did you gain it back? Uh, that's a great question. I was raised Catholic, and I have a heart for uh, Catholics and Catholicism. You know, we all have uh, the same foundational beliefs. Uh, we, as married, we went to church. We were actually youth pastors at one time uh, together, uh, my ex-wife and I. Uh, but then we took our eyes off the Lord and and uh, allowed the world to infect our uh, marriage and our family, and and uh, which led to the divorce. Uh, but at that point, uh, I, I had two decisions. Uh, two choices. I I could get bitter or get better. And I'm a mental health professional. I'm a school psychologist. And uh, so I know better, you know, and I have to not trust and rely on my feelings. And I have to make that choice willingly. And uh, so I chose better. And so I started the healing process by really digging deeper with God more than I ever have, digging into the Word uh, reading the Bible more, fellowshipping more, uh, going to you know multiple Bible studies, and and just uh, really learning how to uh, be in the presence of God and allowing Him to guide and lead my life. So so yeah, I made the choice at that point to go deeper, and so uh, you know God has a way of making turning bad situations into good things and having uh, good things come out of it. And so even though uh, God hates divorce and and doesn't want it and it happened and I didn't have much of a choice about it, uh, he brought good out of it, that I embraced my faith further. I drew closer to God. uh, I pursued more meaning in my life in the season, uh, which affected my kids because my kids are, are... they love God now. They love the Lord, and it, it really uh, spread to them. And I'm so thankful for that and His grace. And uh, and then now this book has come out of it. And I've also done divorce care over the years, 
helping other people go through divorce since I had been there and done that. And uh, so a lot of fruit has come out of that, that, that rough year. You know, you have two choices, uh, you know, go the worldly way and, and be spiteful and hateful and resentful or and bitter or go with God and then he'll fill you up with the fruits of the spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And, and that's, that's the daily challenge is to uh, empty ourselves as vessels and let him fill, it, fill us with uh, his Holy Spirit. Well, amen to all of that, Wayne. And, and, you know, when I had a breakup, this was like my first real relationship. It was very tough a couple of years ago. And it mm-hmm. was just like I, I, I had felt in the back of my mind as it was unfolding, this is God's plan. He's taking me away from the stress I had with the relationship, and he was taking me into bigger and better things. And I truly believe that's God's mm-hmm. will. He plays a role in it. And also, I do believe in a fact that God is always going to be there for us. It's just we have to decide when we're going to be running to him. I, I always find that people will find him, but on their own time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if I can just mention about my book. So I broke my book up into 30 chapters to be read the 30 days before Christmas if someone would want to. And the only reason I'm bringing it up because the first chapter for those who started reading it as a devotion for Advent uh, a few days ago, the very first chapter talks about, uh, you know, we're all on this journey called life and uh, who's in our train compartment with us. Are we choosing to be in there by ourselves or is God in there, but we only talk to him and acknowledge him when we want to, or we need something or want something, or are we engaged with him uh, and letting him guide us and be our guide and our, our, uh, companion throughout this journey. And that's, I think that's what you just described that you had a choice at that point. Um, you're going to go with God and, and that's, and we all have that decision to make or when are we going to, uh, you know, rely on him and, and, uh, let him engage with him and right. especially on a daily basis. Yeah. Well, so- I was like, you, you did that. Yeah. Yeah, and so you mentioned you're a school psychologist, and obviously in this day and age, the school wants no part of God. Um, do they monitor that with you, or do they do they oversee if you are talking to the students about God, or how does that work for you in the faith aspect? Yeah, I've I've been I had more opportunity when I was a school counselor and I was based in one school and I was building rapport and relationships with, with children and families. And, and if, uh, you know, one thing, if they were struggling with something, uh, I would, I would ask them if they have a faith background, regardless of what the faith background was. And that would, depending on what they said, uh, you know, that would open a door to, to talk further if we shared a faith background. Uh, to help them with their healing or whatever they were going on. But as far as proselytizing, and, and you know, you have to be careful with that. Uh, so I didn't do uh, much of that. But if there's opportunity there, yeah, absolutely. And I also helped lead a uh, – I was the advisor for a Christian group. Uh, I talked to our principal, and and uh, he allowed us to uh, do a Christian group 
uh, as long as the students ran it, I was just the advisor. But so there's definitely opportunities there. A student can do anything they want. They can read the Bible, it, but it has to be student initiated, student run. Right. Uh, but they can be advised. But as a school psychologist, uh, most of my duties have to do with special education. I help determine students eligible for special education services with disabilities. So I'm doing a lot of testing, a lot of report writing, a lot of meetings. And so my contact with kiddos uh, isn't what it used to be. And so I'm I'm really uh, minimized right now as far as the school psychologist to be able to to share. So it's more indirectly just loving on people, loving on the staff, and, uh, you know, trying to do the best job I can and supporting them in the role I'm in now as much as I can. Wayne Vanderwall, I actually mentioned the National Publicity Summit, and uh, it was great talking to you. I felt a good vibe from the beginning, and I'm like, let me get uh, <laughs> Pastor Vanderwall on the bro- on the podcast for this Sunday, first Sunday in Advent. A couple more things. Did you guys know? Did you guys know that... Uh, St. Nicholas is actually a patron saint of New York. I I have lived 28 years. I've heard the song many of those (laughs) years. I did not know that. But, yeah, in 1909, Washington Irving, popular name here in New York, referred to St. Nicholas as patron saint of New York. Uh, Why was that? Uh, That's a great question. And there's a short... Uh, he had written uh, a book called The History of New York at that time. And uh, I, some people think he was doing it more in jest as far as uh, just having some fun with it. And it was maybe a little political for that time. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, he, uh, but St. Nicholas was definitely prevalent uh at that time, and, and really, our, our our American Christmas really was has its roots deep out of New York. It's really interesting uh, what led up to Washington Irving. If, are you okay with me sharing a little about the background? Absolutely, please do. We want. Okay. I, I'm very intrigued uh, as you're talking here. Yeah, it's really interesting because New York. Uh, was formerly known as New Amsterdam because the uh, Dutch had uh, taken it over from 1625 to 1664. They had control of that area, and it was called New Amsterdam. And so there was a big Dutch influence, uh, but then the British came back in 1864 and took it over. I'm sorry, 1664, took it over. And uh, but yet the the roots and foundation of the Dutch and their traditions were were deep there, and so they had the tradition of Saint Nicholas. Uh, they called him in their language uh, Saint Here Nicholas. Uh, nickname for that was Sinterklaas. And so as the the British the English came in and started trying to pronounce Sinterklaas. That's how uh, the name morphed into Santa Claus over the centuries, the English trying to pronounce Sinterklaas. And so by the earliest record that I could find of Santa Claus, the name Santa Claus being used was in 1774. There was an article in a New York paper uh, talking about uh, 
Dutch families and a, a group called the Sons of Nicholas or St. Nicholas were celebrating St. Nicholas Day, which is uh, December 5th or 6th, uh, depending on uh, the culture. Uh, but that's when they celebrate St. Nicholas and when they do their gift giving. And in the article, they, they said, yeah, they were celebrating St. Nicholas, otherwise known as Santa Claus, uh, during that time. So that was the first recorded uh, uh, writing that I could find of Santa Claus. And then in 1804, 1804 uh, a gentleman named uh, Pintard uh had mentioned it, and they were all part of the New York Historical Society uh, at that time. And then uh, John Pintard was his name. Uh, and so he had given out gifts of St. Nicholas. And then Washington Irving had later joined that same society, and that's when he wrote The History of New York. And he had descriptions of St. Nicholas. He had mentioned about smoking his pipe. Uh, giving a knowing look, laying his finger beside his nose. So these little things that later in 1823, Clement Moore, who was a New Yorker, uh, wrote the the poem A Visit from St. Nicholas, was the night before Christmas. And, and all through the house. Some of those descriptors, uh, uh, you know, he used from Washington Irving. So it all kind of, that's so it slowly morphed over time. Uh, into the Santa Claus we know today, but it's all rooted out of New York, which I think is really neat. It's a great town. Well, and and let me ask you, the 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 red suit, the white beard, is that what Saint Nicholas was originally, or did that become like a cultural thing? My research, my research shows that that those are the colors of the bishop robe, uh, red with a red hat with a with a cross on it. And so, and there's some historical pictures. If you Google, uh, you can see uh, similar type clothes. So there is some foundation uh, to those colors and, and the robe. Uh, within the robe, uh, by the 1880s, uh, only say, um, you know, some of the pictures during over during the 1800s uh, morphed into the Santa Claus we know today. And uh, I'm trying to think, Nast, that's right, Thomas Nast, uh, his famous picture, uh, uh, he had brought, he was a German, I think he was born in Germany, but he came to America and he had done a picture of Santa uh, with a bright red suit trimmed with white fur uh, and had the workshop and elves, uh, he kind of formed, helped form the modern image of Santa Claus. He was a political uh, cartoonist at that time. Well, there there you go. Uh, we are in Advent now. Wayne Vanderwall, thanks for this time tonight, by the way. And there's so much we yeah. get to, but I, I just think this is so deep and, and so uplifting. I think it's important to talk about the spiritual side, the Christian side, the faith-based side of Christmas and Saint and Saint Nick, but do you have a prayer for us or thoughts as we enter Advent? What is your spiritual state of mind right now uh, th- this weekend? Well, I'm excited that you know we just had Thanksgiving, and I, I think it's so powerful to have Thanksgiving entering into this season where we start looking forward to 
Christmas and the meaning of Christmas, the birth of Christ, uh, his plan of redemption and and reconciling us back to him. And because I I think thankfulness is so so foundational to the Christian faith that it just puts our hearts in in the right place to receive from God when we can recognize uh, how much we've been given and how much we have. And it humbles us to be open to to God and what He has for us, and so that's that's uh, my thought and prayer uh, as we enter this Advent season. Uh, Advent, uh, it it's always thought of as a time to look forward to to Jesus's coming uh, as the babe, but there's it actually celebrates uh, three types of. Jesus coming, uh, the physical coming as far as uh, Christmas Day and Him coming in the flesh, but then Advent also celebrates uh, Him coming into our hearts after His death and resurrection and looks forward to His uh, second coming where He's going to come the first time He's coming in love. Uh, The Bible says He came to not judge but to save and uh, but now the second coming where advent is also a season for us to uh, look forward to the second coming that when he comes in judgment and so it's just a reminder that all right he came in love the first time he's coming in judgment the second time and we only have so much time on this earth to share his love and his his uh, salvation with as many people as we can uh, before he comes that second time, and uh, so that's that's my my thought and prayer is for us to to enter the season with thankful hearts, and be open and, and receptive and and thoughtful and reflective of uh, him coming in the flesh, coming into our hearts, and uh, coming again someday to uh, bring his kingdom. Well, Wayne, this has been very uh i think important and very spiritual and and i hope you guys once you hear this are so uplifted this holiday this christmas season that you buy you get the gospel of santa claus Uh, where can we get your book and what website can we find you at or even twitter as well yeah so the full title of my book if anyone googles it is the gospel of santa claus inspired by the true story of saint nicholas and I have a website with that title, thegospelsantaclaus.com, where you can go there and there's a purchase page with all the uh, retailers, uh, Amazon, online retailers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart. And then it's also in uh, ebook, uh, Kindle, Nook, Smashwords, Kobo. And the audio book is due, uh, in, due out any day. Uh, it was supposed to be out a few weeks ago. We ran into some glitches, so it should be out any day. And it'll be on uh, Audible, Amazon, and iTunes. Uh, so hopefully uh, this coming week it will be out. Uh, but then also it's available pretty much at any bookstore. If you go in and they don't have any in stock, any bookstore in the world can order it. Well, Wayne, what I love about your aspect is that, yes, the, the, the physical outside is dark. And we're getting cold and snowy now in parts of the country. I don't know if it's snowy <laughs> by you. But, but there is a light that we can look forward to, not just on Christmas, but every day. But, of course, Christmas time has that light. It's just, can we—do we have the wherewithal 
to a love and accept the light or are we going to live in darkness? And I think your book will Amen. change people from darkness to light. I really, I really hope and pray it does. Amen. I appreciate that. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Wayne Vanderwall. And by the way, to end this start to uh, Advent season, this first podcast in Advent, let's go to Twas the Night Before Christmas, as Wayne was referencing, as told by Perry Como. You like Perry Como? I mean, his songs and music and voice was incredible, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. So we're going to listen to Perry say the night before towards the night before Christmas and Wayne I'll let you go have a beautiful Sunday and God bless you and come back again as uh, the season heats up thank you God bless you and Merry Christmas Merry Christmas I'm Alexander Garrett here is (laughs) Perry Como "'Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house "'not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. "'The stockings all hung by the chimney with care "'in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. "'The children were nestled all safe in their beds "'while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. "'And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap "'had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his courses they came, as he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer, now Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop, the courses they flew with a sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot. And his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of his pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a round little belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. 
He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk. And laying a finger alongside his nose and giving a nod up the chimney, he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.